A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome to the Pool Hitter Podcast, your stop for actionable resource for fantasy baseball. Got my good friend and excellent fantasy baseball analyst slash player, James Anderson from Roto Eye. What's up, James? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, we usually do pod on each pod each year, and it's always one of the best conversations we could have. I know a lot of people say, oh, you guys do so good, you know, when you do the pod together. So I always look forward to it. And um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on right now. Just dropped your uh, version two of your of your hitter prospect rankings for uh, redraft, right? Um, man, I got to tell you, that was like such an excellent, probably one of the most actionable things to use all draft champion season, both the pitchers and the hitters. Just being able to go through your brain and like look at some stats aside from that and um, really help with like the end game targets where like, because I like how you break it down where you compared some players up at the top and be like, well, if you like this guy's skill set, you can maybe get this later. And that's how like my brain really likes to work. And I know you're so ahead of the prospect stuff. So it was really, I think, one of the probably the most actionable draft article for specific players that I've been reading all season. And and it's say it's it it doesn't leave my open tabs, James. They're they're <laughs> they're both there and I'm consistently going back and forth to it, you know? Well I appreciate that man. Yeah, those are one hundred percent intended for people to use as tools during their draft champions. So uh great to hear that you find a yeah. use out of it. Um and sh- showing your shares too, which you know, um I know we're in the world where we're competing for big big grand prizes and all and consistently trying to win leagues so um i appreciate the you know such uh maybe like a, a spot of vulnerability that some may think but you're just really you know you have your stuff and and that's it come come beat me otherwise right <laughs> that's it yeah i mean i'm not i'm not out here tweeting screenshots of my shares or anything but if you're a roadwire subscriber no problem showing that to you um and you just gotta gotta keep getting your guys. Uh, if somebody it. somebody's trying to push somebody else up, that means somebody else is falling. And also, too, I always think like if you're really concentrating on what I want to do, then you're not spending enough time on your own draft process, you know. And I'll take that any day. Like you want to take away from what you should be doing, go go ahead. Uh, but we always, you know, you got to have backup plans, which is the biggest thing. So you're saying that you're not into like the 60% of misinformed uh, analysis. <laughs> that would be the funny topic to think about. But um, all right. So before we uh, head forward to, to 2024, I wanted to look back at some stuff on 2023. You had two mains in the top 25 overall. You had an OC in the top 45. And... I don't want to know, like, if at any point were they within reach where you felt like, yeah, I do have a team that can win it, or, um, and if so, like, how, how did that game plan 
around, you know, trying to get to that spot? Um, I, I don't think at any point I was actually thinking this team has a chance to win um, any of the overalls, certainly not the OC. That, that OC team um, was, you know, it was bottom half of my league, I think, around Memorial Day. So that was just kind of a rocket trip from there and just didn't, didn't have enough season left um, to realistically climb that high. Although I think that by the end of the season, that OC team was like overall caliber, but just didn't have enough season left. Um, but my, so we had one main event team with Todd Whitestone and then I had one solo team. And uh, I don't think the one with Todd, the, the one with Todd was kind of um, just a real steady team. Um I, I thought my solo one, like maybe had a chance to, to get into like the top 10, uh, like around like the midway point of the season, the two hitters on my team that I thought were uh, underperforming relative to my expectations were Vlad Guerrero and William Contreras. And I thought both of those guys were capable of going on like a monster second half and really pushing me up if the rest of my guys kind of just kept doing what they were doing. Um, Vlad did not, but, uh, Contreras did kind of have the, the second half I thought he would. Um, and then I just, my biggest problem with my solo main team was I just all season long could not find uh closer to, um, or I guess, I mean, Clay Holmes was my, my one reliever that I started all season, but he wasn't even like a closer one caliber reliever. So I really needed like a closer one. Um, to have that team where I, where I wanted it to be. Um, and I could just never find that, that second closer. So, um, no, I, I never really was thinking about the top spot, but I, there were times where I thought my, my solo team could, could maybe sneak into the top 10. Yeah. I see, um, the Clay Holmes, you went in round five and you're right. Like he, Richard, why I think like the spot he is in now in in ADP is kind of an interesting spot because I I do think there's value in just thinking a guy's going to get 24, 25 saves and not maybe reach 35. But definitely, like your point, Nick, you were hoping for, you know, I think top 75 closer, like top 75 pick, you want you want the 30 plus, you I, know. It's, it's yeah, I, I thought I thought Holmes had like top five closer upside um, this time last year. Uh and, you know, he just – I think he's kind of maybe a overqualified setup man who just isn't quite ninth-inning material. Um, but I, I don't know. I I really you love – think he's risky this here, year? Though. Like you think he's, like, risk, at risk for losing even more saves? or you think No, I, I mean, I think he's – like, I would take Kenley over him and Kimbrell over him. But other than that, I like, I think he's – if if – Kenley, or if Kimbrell's gone, Kenley's gone, and I just scramble and I'd, I'd still take Holmes, but I haven't had to do that yet. Yeah, I kind of, um, I kind of agree. You get the volume from Jansen and Kimbrell. Um, Holmes does help with like the ratio side of it. You know, obviously not as big of an impact as a starter, but it's definitely an interesting cluster of um, of players. I know you, you, you. You drafted uh, Vlad and then Freeman, right? That was your one-two yep. last year. Yep. Um, so do you feel let down by Vlad from what he did last year? Or do you think he still gave you enough to be like, okay, like it wasn't a terrible pick? Or do you feel like maybe it was a terrible pick? Because there's a lot of, you know, of that about Vlad. 
Oh, uh, definitely not. Uh, no kind of like terrible pick or anything like that. Um, I, I think I've said this before, but like I had like I had Vlad in the first round and Varsho in the fourth round on this team. Yep. And, um, you know, m- most people would obviously – well, I think most people would say both those guys underperformed. Um, but what they didn't do was like they never missed time. Yep. And so I never had to get a backup catcher for Varsho. And I never had to get a fill-in first baseman for for Vlad, and uh, you know I still got the speed from Varsho at catcher, and I still got you know a fine fine batting average from Vlad, and like just the fact that Freeman went off like he did, it just kind of made up for Vlad not doing it. Yeah, I think that's very fair too. I I know like because a lot of people have mentioned that, or I've heard people say that, and I'm like it's all. Like say he didn't tank and he didn't miss time, so it's not a you know it's not a huge loss because you still got decent production from him. Obviously not the you know the forty home run or thirty eight home run two ninety season we dream on, but um, and I just love how the middle of the draft they had a lot of teams like this too with Hassan Kim at two twenty four and Bryson Stott at two fifty seven. When you get two picks like that in the middle of the draft that just give you you know sixty plus steals and multi-eligibility that's just yeah I, I put that in my notes like um the kim stott combo i really think was sort of my like kind of the mvp of like my my hitting group um right because like you said you're just just hitting on two guys like that where you're getting that speed you didn't get earlier in the draft um but that that dual eligibility that those guys had was just like, I never felt like I was starting a bad option in my infield really all season. Like there, there was, like I was going JD Davis, I think for a bit. Um, and then I, and then I think I, um, pivoted to, I think I started using Kim more at third base at a certain point, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was just Kim and Stott together was was really great i had i had kim on most of my teams i think i only had Stott on maybe like 20 percent, but um yeah that was great what's your thoughts on kim this year do you think his price point's a little too rich are you still with it i haven't drafted him yet i know me neither um either i so i think you know obviously you're drafting the i think i think he's getting drafted for his eligibility as much as for the steals Um, yes agreed and his eligibility is awesome so i get that uh and i love like i you know second third short is really valuable to me um you know having the middle corner combo but also having i love having both second and short um so it's it's great and you know he he is gonna steal 20 plus bases but um just you know the batting average and the power there like i don't think it's a, a statistical output that you can't find a few rounds later right right and you know i was a lot of the reason to aside from the multi-eligibility i really liked him last year is because i definitely do a lot of you know diving into the pulled metrics the pulled barrels and stuff and i i saw that kim got into his power just by pulling a ton of balls and like the ratio he converted into homers was pretty successful. So that was like also gave me confident, you know, in drafting him last year about maybe an increased power output. But 
it's something that could be so volatile. Like, and if he loses that or I'm like, I think I'm more afraid of him losing the volume, like him not leading off. Let's just say like, he doesn't lead off or bat second and he goes to more fifth or sixth or who knows um, that, that just could strip away some of the counting stat that like we would like to see him if they just put, because I think Tatis should go back into the one hole. I mean, he, if, if you look at his numbers, batting lead off in his, in his lifetime, it's just like, you got to put him there. <laughs> it just makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't I don't know if Kim's going to lead off, but um I mean, he's at worst awful. their fourth best hitter, right? Yeah, I know. I know the team is <laughs> awful. What are they doing? Oh god. The team is yeah. absolutely awful. It's um, really gross. When it comes to overall, what do you th- what do you find tougher to move up in or like maintain a position in the online championship or the main event? Um, I think it's probably tougher to move up in the main. Um, I mean, you can just get so many awesome players off waivers in an OC that, uh, I mean, you can like, I feel like I doubled my talent level throughout the season in like (laughs) that OC, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's just it's it's like a snowball rolling downhill. Like you just keep adding talent to your roster, and um, and you you drop the the dead weight um in a way that you can't really do in a in a main sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. I I think like in terms of how many more people are tuned into those individual leagues, and yeah. like around you, it makes the main event harder to move up or maintain a spot on the flip side because like on the flip side of that there's all these good players available I feel like it happens to so many teams around me too I, you know like there's several weeks where i just feel like oh man i i gained like 1200 points you know but only gained like two spots in the overall because so many other teams around me too you know were making these massive push to it and sometimes like just look at other league pickups it's just just looking around me, I was like, man, like, how is this guy getting all these players in fab? You just go to the league and just to like, maybe just be two or three people still participating in one league in the OC. And I think like that happens so much where there's so much variance in how that, like the overall point shift up and down. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely easier in terms of getting the guy that think you would need to make those pushes. But sometimes I just feel like, man, it's just everybody else <laughs> is having these massive gains as well. So um, not that I very, you know, two years ago, I made a good push in OC, like I really concentrated into getting the cash. And at the end, I don't know if all that work was worth getting 18th place. Could you get like 750 bucks back? <laughs> like, man, that was a lot of work to get that. For a quick reminder, don't forget to come check out the Pull Hitter Patreon. Go to patreon.com, put Pull Hitter Fantasy Baseball in the search bar, or go to my pinned tweet on X, and it'll take you right right to my home. And you can sign up. You can try it out for a week if you'd like. You get free access to the Discord when you join. Right now, for the next couple of weeks, you can still take advantage of getting a year with two months off if you sign up for an annual contract. So... Come check it out. You can go month by month as well. I think you'd find the Discord to be very actionable, very helpful, very entertaining as well. And I'm doing player breakdowns, breakdowns of my draft. There's draft boards for my drafts included as well as the DC Diary. whole bunch of tons of good stuff. So come check it out and see if you like it. All right, back to the show, James.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for for online championships, um, you know you've you've had a pretty consistent result where like you're just constantly either winning the league or cashing or around it. So like, how do you how do you achieve those consistent results? Is it just sticking to a specific process that you have, or just being able to like you know also outwork everyone? But do you have any? I guess for like maybe some people who are going to be doing their first ones because they're joining a Champions League or just doing their first OCs. Like, how would you? give them the best route to be in the, you know, be at the top of the pack like that. Yeah. You know, I think um, one of the biggest things is just, just grinding all season. Um, like you kind of said this, but uh, in a decent amount of the OCs, you'll have, you know, four or five members, not really um, putting in the work anymore once once football season kind of gets here, or maybe once like 4th of July gets here. So like, if you're just, if you're grinding all season, like, I mean, if you just draft bad players, then grinding's not going to help you. But like, if you do an okay job in the draft and you should grind all year, I think you should be able to finish at least top half of your league by just doing that. Um, and then, you know, I, I really like uh, taking care of like the catcher position. Um, you know, especially like in an OC, you just get, you know, like I, I was able to add like Josh Naylor, Ozuna. I think I added Josh Young, um, like Reagans, Pepio, Steer, Kerry Carpenter, like just those caliber guys you can add, but you're usually not adding a catcher that's that good off of waivers. Like if you, yeah. you want, you want to leave the draft with, two good catchers and then throughout the season you'll make sure that the rest of your positions are just loaded but it's it's tough to kind of leave the draft with like the 20th best catcher and then really upgrade it in season that makes a lot of sense and i've i've heard people referenced like the replacement value is better than in a 15 team league but at the same time like you you there's no way to differentiate yourself like you just said there's no way to gain that better player at that position unless you just draft two of the better ones you know we could stream in like a consistent source but um especially like if you're trying to shoot for 80th percentiles it's just so much easier when you got two guys that are going to give you a thousand plate appearances there and you don't have to shift off of them i think you know like the biggest the biggest guys like you said maybe an injury or it's usually like danny jansen right yeah it was like the most skilled catcher who was always available because he's always getting hurt and he's like oh he's on the wire and you're like oh man and if you have that weak catcher but i don't even want to rely on that you know just i mean in one league i remember just even picking up a hoppy and i used him as a utility in two weeks because i had him with you know gtr and Contreras. i wasn't going to come out of my lineup but he was actually the best guy to stream into you know for for yeah. a lineup period <laughs> i mean i think i think like I'd ha i haven't gone back and i'm not really 
good at like going back and looking at my <laughs> teams and stuff. Um, I just move on to the next year. But yeah, like I would bet you that all my like OCs where I had JTR and I just didn't completely botch the draft, like I'd probably cash in just just by having JTR and like grinding all season. Like it's not that hard. You're hundred percent right. And like taking taking a tip from Steve Weimer who wrote about this at baseball HQ is like he he was saying like instead of perceiving yourself to have a strength in something, like to say, I I can always find late starters, right? It's like actually dig into your path and see if that's something that's you know true. So I did. I did look at my teams in the path that had two of the better catchers, you know, like that were ranked in the top 12 or top 15. And yeah, the, my success rate was just so much better. Obviously, you have to still fill out an, a team that competes. You know, it's not just those two guys that were hinging on it, but the correlation of <laughs> the success was too much for me to ignore and just say, oh, you know, it this, this just must be nothing, you know, to me, it's something. So um, I'm definitely on that train as well. So um, all right, let's talk about the Champions League for a little bit. Um, NFBC is hosting Toby's wonderful, Toby Baffert crazy, wonderful idea where we will test ourselves in the online championship, 12 team with fab, the draft champions format, 50, you know, picks, no fab, and the main event, 15 team with fab, and the top 15 players from an aggregate of all the 30 categories in those three leagues will be um, participating in the champion league um, league in 2025, which will be a live auction in Vegas. And right now we're zooming past the, uh, the enrollment for it. We're almost approaching 110. Uh, definitely help when, um, when Genstad and Erickson kicked it up, it, that that definitely spurred a little bit of the old sign up, which I think is great. But um, I think it's an awesome idea, and you know, Greg Greg's loving it so much. He might even include it in football this year. So, um, what what like drew you to this? Aside from like the like the competition thing, is there anything else that like they right, this is this is something I want to be a part of? Yeah, well, I mean, these are the three competitions I'm most familiar with. So, and I, I mean, I won uh, like a league in all three of them last year and I had the bankroll. So I just, it kind of seemed like a no brainer. Um, I mean, it would just be like an, an all time thrill to be in that, that auction uh, next spring. But, you know, I'm, I think I'm probably uh, less kind of, um, you know, I'm not doing any kind of like, oh, I got to get into like the easiest league I can possibly get into or like anything like that. I'm just treating all these leagues like normal leagues that I'm trying to win and like it, it's going to be fun. I hope I finish top 15, but I'm not really stressing about it. Yeah, I'm I um I'm doing my main DLQ in Vegas, you know. Um despite what they found in the process. Uh, <laughs> I'm I am not I don't care. I don't fear I don't fear a league uh at all. Um now I'm super excited about it. I know you did your draft champion CLQ, but did you find like any I know I was in that league with you, but did you find any added <laughs> added intensity or, 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 or pressure making the picks? I mean, um 
just giving because like there's also the flip side it's just it's still a lead that you're trying to win on top of it being included in something else that you're trying to win you know so you also have to just worry about the league as well yeah I, you know i think i you know when you're coming off like when you're coming off a good year like i'm not really trying to like do anything differently um than i normally would uh right. and i mean i even took you know like i took wyatt langford and noel v Marte in this clq um i wasn't I don't think I jumped them at like, or I, I might have taken Noelby at ADP. I don't think I took Langford at ADP, but um, you know, I it's I wasn't afraid of taking those guys here. Um, just I trying to approach like a normal team. Man, I don't know if that rubbed off on me subconsciously, but I uh, in my CLQ I took Caminero and Lawler, um, both both at their like at their max at the at the time I was in that draft and I was like, is the fantasy gods test, are they testing me in this one draft? <laughs> you know, they were both falling at ridiculous prices. And I was like, all right. You know, I, I was like, I mean, um, not that I was trying to play safe or it's just anything different from what I normally do. You know, I was just trying to be a little bit more careful about roster construction in terms of injury risk experience, like just those things, like, you know, and then, but at, at the point where they dropped to, I'm like, nope. Uh, it was like two straight wheels. I had the wheel where I was considering Caminero. And then I, I just told myself to go elsewhere both times. And then the third time he was back, I'm like, there's no debate in this one. It was like 3.30 or something like that. I'm like, I'm, I'm hitting the button now. Yeah, I, I remember listening to the pod where you mentioned that and um, those those were great values i don't i don't think i got like those types of values obviously on the guys i was talking about but um i do i do not like that i have uh giolito on this team um i think i must have <laughs> i think I, I think i drafted him like right before he signed maybe um i was kind of loading up on giolito before he signed and i really don't love that landing spot but whatever he did yeah, you don't think the park is gonna aid his? Um, it's his, just uh, a scary. It's a scary yeah, park, man. I, I don't like yeah. using anyone there. And I really think it gets. It doesn't really register. I think with a lot of fantasy owners, how much it does play as a bad park for pitchers. You know. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's pretty easy to see in any kind of um, park vectors type mm -hmm. of thing, but. Uh, you know, it's just you – there's a reason, like, you look at most Red Sox pitchers, you look at their projected ERA, there's, like, a reason they're all over four. Hasn't stopped me from drafting Nikki P. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm so uh, I'm so hinged to that guy for the last three years just, and finally got better, and now I'm just like, well, can't give up on now that he's – his cost is a little more, so – He's a very polarizing guy. This, uh, I hope, I hope uh, that works out for you. If um, <laughs> you, unless you took him in the CLQ league, then I hope it doesn't. <laughs> um, think any on on any micro level about like obviously there's three different formats. There's ten categories in each, so thirty categories, and like how you you know is there a need to balance them across? Because you know I was like really like worrying about getting uh my like closer to let's just say 
uh, being on that wheel and, you know, Weimer was just like, well, there's 29 other categories, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> like obviously I knew that, but I wasn't, it wasn't registering in my brain, you know, when I did it. So I don't know if it's like a, a reason or you feel more comfortable being able to say, all right, you know, I'll fig, I'll, I'll go for mid pack here. I have 29 other categories to try to, you know, mold the rest of my points. Is that something like you thought about or you would think about? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really going that deep on it. Uh, I yeah. don't know if, like, should I be? I, oh, like, I don't I'm know. Not, I don't know. I just <laughs> like, I, I mean, if I, it sounds really simple. I'm just trying to win all three leagues. And, you know, if I, I think if I do really well in like two of the three leagues and don't really lay an egg in the third one, that might be good enough. If I mm, cash yeah. in all three, that might be good enough. Um, I'm definitely not trying to not, I'm not trying to finish like third in all three or something like that. You know, I'm trying to, trying to win all three. Right. No, that totally makes sense. And in that fashion too, I was, I was wondering how, how like that top 15 might play out, you know, it like, like a mix of players, had they all just, you know, get second place across the board or did you crush two leagues and then make like, one was so bad, but good enough than your other two, you know, like I, I can't wait to see the final breakdown of what it looks like um, across the, you know, top 50 or even the top, whatever, 15, 30 teams, you know, do you um, think, do you think, uh, I mean, how, how like kind of embarrassing would it be to like win like, or, or come like top five in one of the overalls with one of your entries, but still not make the CLQ. Like, yeah. I mean, that would probably be a, a, a soul crusher to really kill one format. Um, you know, I guess unless you win that overall, at least you get that money behind you. That, that, that I guess <laughs> I'll be, I'd be interested to see like who of the 15 teams that make it, like who had the worst um third of an entry like among those 15 like do you yeah. think do you think anyone will make the top 15 with like a like a bottom half of a league entry like yeah i mean that's 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 really that's really interesting to think about like would it be would it come from like a the 12 teamer i don't know i was trying to think about the points level but i feel I like think, i, I, I kind of think, think you Anyone who makes the top fifteen is probably dominating their OC. I would, I yeah, know, I would think, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was alluding to. And um, but that's an interesting question. I, I mean, I do think I don't think there's going to be anyone who makes it. Honestly, that 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 really does, like you said, bottom half in their league. I just think that'll pull you. That's just relying on your other two leagues to pull you through. It's also only whatever a hundred you know, 107 contestants right now, whatever the number is, maybe we get to 150. That would be pretty cool. Um, there's a lot, man. I mean, I can't wait to, me and Randy Haynes will be following it weekly, just like looking into the standings and doing a podcast on it. And like, I just like, I'm so excited to, it just adds another layer of, of not only competing in the individual overalls and, and, and leagues, but you know, now, looking at that as well what about like the diversification side of things you don't mind leaning into specific players at the top of the draft if if you're all in on them or they're more of a like oh if this guy gets hurt or not as good then i can't have him on three teams yeah i think i would 
the only diversification I would probably try to do is um, maybe at like SP1, SP2, um, maybe a little bit with the closers and maybe a little bit with the catchers. Like if um, if I'm like deciding between a guy, because like I like to go, um, you know, I like to get a couple good catchers and a couple good closers if I can. But like, I wouldn't want to have like Jordan Romano on all three teams or something like that. Um, and then I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to have, um, you know, so like I wouldn't want to have the same catcher on like all three teams, but I'd be fine like having the same catcher on a couple teams. Um, and I, I think it would be more just kind of like, if I'm deciding between like Luis Castillo and Zach Wheeler, if I've already got one on one team, I'd probably take the other guy, but like, um, yeah, that's fair. you know, I'm, I'm definitely not worried about <clears throat> diversification, like out or over diversifying, like outside the top 100. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, worry about diversification too much like um like if i know we were talking before we started recording like you do more leagues than i do but like if i if i was doing so many leagues that i felt like i needed to be diversifying then i think i'd be in too many leagues like i i'm very mm -hmm. comfortable just like if i just have a bad year across all my leagues because some of the guys i was on weren't good then so be it but i'd I'd rather just go with guys I, I really believe in than than not. No, that's totally fair. Yeah, I think um yeah, that kind of just happens in, in doing a lot of draft. Um I just follow like similar patterns a lot and just it's good to like break out of it sometimes in some drafts. Not like drafting guys I think aren't gonna do well. I still think they're gonna do well. Right. I just like them a little less than the other guys I continuously look at and also, too, I don't want to be in that frame of mind. Um, I think like Toby was talking about how he, you know, like a lot of times he felt like doing a lot of DCs, he got to main event season, and it was just like, you almost have like a, a like a tunnel vision, and you're not open to other things because you've been like, this is the way I've been drafting, this is the way I've continued drafting. And I just want to be a little bit more open to the idea of, of, of getting either like just looking at other players just so I know I could pivot to different things if I have to. Um, yeah, I think you you definitely want to be kind of like present in the league you're in. Um, yeah. Like like I was in like I just did like a I'm like a third of the way through a 400 and like I definitely I don't know necessarily if I would have done something differently, but I I hadn't fully kind of calibrated my drafting to it being like a 400 because um, I'd just done my first and only NFBC 50 of the season after not drafting for like two months. And I jumped on a 400 and like at like six, seven rounds in, I, I was just kind of like, okay, man, like this is like a, this is like a real room. Like you got, you got like, it's two, it's two very opposite sides to really go, to get back into. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, cause you don't want um, like, and I was picking 14th. And so it's just, I, I hate, I hate that part of the draft anyways but um like i i was trying to have guys come back to me and like i just was like what, what are you doing like 
there no one's coming back to you like just like so um you definitely want to kind of focus on like just really being in the the draft that you're in and like what does this team need like yep. where what what what's happening in this draft what are other teams doing um i mean that's that's great advice absolutely no 100 percent that that definitely resonates um what 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 do you not like about the back half? It's just, just, just like maybe the first cup, like four, six rounds, or like you just said, like having to um, maybe recalibrate your brain and just throw out ADP sometimes, or what is it like that you really don't like about it this, this year yeah. at the end? I'll give you a couple things. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so I definitely think um, – there's like a chance that the guy I might take in the second round um, would be there in the middle. Like if I'm picking 14, the guy I might take in the second round might have made it to the middle if I was picking like seventh or eighth. Um, so that's like one thing. And then like the, <clears throat> the pitching runs um, just don't happen you know, I guess like at this point, I'm probably like I got Freddie Peralta in this one. I, I used to be able to get Freddie like late fourth, um, but I probably won't get him late fourth anymore. But like even just kind of like the. Um, like, I think the, the Bradish, Eflin, Joe Ryan guys, like I think. Um, it's you almost would have to take them at like the four or five turn um or no the the five six turn i guess five six yeah yep um it just like a lot of the pitchers i want seem to be more available like in the middle or at the other end and then um like i love michael harris i love um gunner i love altuve <clears throat> and uh you know you, you're not getting those guys at the other end um yeah i right unless you like them enough to take them you know 15, 16 17 or 18. <laughs> yeah right and I, and I don't like the i think where you have to be on the closer runs i think i like more at the other end too mm -hmm. um and uh and then like in terms of like the first rounders like i just really love getting one of those uh outfielders that go in the first like six picks like like i just i'd rather get an outfielder than get like a first baseman or a third baseman um in the first round so yeah that's fair i, I just pulled up the um you know how on the nfbc they have the board like not the classic adp but the ones you can see the colors and this is just dc's from january 7th to today and you can see at 13 14 15 how much less yellow there is <laughs> yeah right yeah. it's it's like that's a simple way to see it and it's like the first eight rounds there's there's usually six pitchers being picked in that area and that's not a lot compared to the congestion in the middle or on the other end so like exactly what you just said it, it's laid out there obviously like you said to to avoid that you need to jump guys which is fine i mean i mean you shouldn't really be um 
you know, haggling over a seven pick thing, like, oh, I'm taking him over cost. Like, you don't want to lose too much of the value in the player. But at the same time, it it, it, it is annoying if you miss out on it and you just have to. Uh, I know, like, some people like the like the ability to be like, oh, I could, you know, I can cause chaos this round if I pick, you know, picking two catchers and starting that run or two this. That, but that's not a. That's hype, you know, right? That's hype. I, I like the uh, I like I like thinking about like the defensive aspects of certain picks. Um but I don't I don't buy the uh I mean you see it I think I almost see it more often than I see it the other way around where someone takes like thinks they're starting a catcher run, but they like did it too early and then the actual catcher run happens like a round and a half later. Yeah. Um, like that, that happens just as often as you actually starting it. Yep. Um, all right. Online championship for 2024. When are you doing, when are you planning to do your uh, CLQ and how many online championships will you be getting involved with this year? Um, <clears throat> let's see. So I'm tentatively signed up for, Sorry, I'm tentatively signed up for the one on uh, February 29th uh, at uh, noon. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to do these OCs at on like Thursdays or Fridays at noon. Um, sometimes those ones don't really fill up, but I, I like that time as a as a draft time. That sounds actually like a great idea. I, I didn't even think about that. Just that, that, that the time of the day, a little OC matinee would be yeah pretty fantastic actually. <laughs> yeah, and I like um, yeah. I mean, if I've done it before, where I've, the weather's been nice enough, I'll like do it on like my back porch or. Oh, um, there you go. But uh, setting the scene, James. I like this. See, this is stuff yeah. you can't find in magazines. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I. And I don't, I definitely don't think I have my fastball at like, at like 9 p.m. Um, the 7 p.m. one's totally fine. But um, yeah, so like February 29th, te tentatively is when I've got the CLQ lined up. I've got another one, um, I think uh, early March, uh, another matinee, and then I'll do one with Todd. Um, but I think it might just be those three for the ocs um just just due to the fab aspect i i like having fewer than 10 fab teams including the ones i share with todd that's a good number that's a good number last year was that seven i might go up to a nine this year and i'm like having a little bit of a, a situation about it but um it, i'm adding two shared teams so um It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I don't have my fastball at nine PM. I fucking love that. Now, cause I, I mean, I, I prefer the morning. You know, like everything I do, I have way more energy. I'm way more focused in the morning, and into like the early afternoon, and then yeah, slowly like pieces of my brain. Yeah, I think, me too. Leave the building. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I peak. I think I peak like around like. Uh, 11 a.m. or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with that. 
But yeah, I don't have my fastball at 9 p.m. That is great. I love that. There's so many times my wife's like, oh, I'm just going to get home and I'm going to like, I'm going to work out. I'm like, at 9 p.m.? Like, why don't you just wake up and like and do it early before you go to work? Because like in my brain, that's what I, you know, that's what I prefer. Just get up. And I usually tackle, this is just like a psychological thing, but I usually tackle the hardest things I have to do in my day first. Because oh, then, yeah. then everything after that becomes easy well some people don't think that way they're like oh like let me build up to this because it's like a procrastination thing like they don't want to do the toughest thing well and i i I like and since we've had like um got like the the baby at home now um Mm -hmm. like with the schedules like and getting up early and stuff to to feed him um like if i've got anything important to do that day by like by like 6 a.m like that's all i can really think about until i do it you know you do it yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) makes total sense man absolutely um okay so it's mapping out the start of your like your oc drafts um are you kind of uh you know i know you mentioned that there's certain like spots you'd like to go to so is that part of like routing out or mapping out some sort of first 10 like ideal first 10 rounds um you know like how do you go about just visualizing how your draft comes together sure uh yeah so i guess like in the first you know i'm I'm going like i always am, am going kind of lighter in terms of quantity of sps early than a lot of teams like i i like i like having at least a one true kind of like sp1 um then maybe like another guy sort of in that like bradish range where where you like think they could be bradish range where you think they could be like an sp1 and then i'll i'll stop taking sps for a bit um from there and then um trying to get two let's see it i counted them up i'm trying to get two top 19 closers and two top 17 catchers mm-hmm. um and then just really in the oc especially i think uh, i want my offense particularly batting average home runs runs rbi like i want that to be the strength of my whole team um like I just I love having just a dominant uh, offense, at least in those in that eighty percent of the the hitting categories um, in an OC. And then, like I think you, you know, you could as long as you leave the draft with, you know, two of your top three starting pitchers for the season, and then like another starter or two that you can use all season, like you're gonna find pretty useful options throughout the season um and then like you know if you hit on some starters in that like 200 to 300 range that's awesome too but you know you don't necessarily need to hit on those guys um you have to like at least for me like i have to leave the draft with two closers and um two good catchers and then hopefully like guys that I believe in as an SP1 and an SP2. And then from there, I'm just kind of pounding hitting. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense too. I pulled up a little um, chart that Brian Fitzgerald made, um, and I put it on the website. He wrote a little article about each format, and you know, like the the average of the top twenty five and the overall, and the average in the top ten overalls. And he and he and he also averaged out like the last three seasons and runs, homers, and RBIs are just that's where you need to achieve like the best percentages to come in the top 25, you know, it just, it carries so much uh, of the percentage of, you know, of the league. Then it's just clearly something you have to focus on. It's, I could see it in the teams that, you know, just lacked a little bit of the push. Like I had a team, I think it was um, also in the top 50 in the, over, in the online championship last year, but I was just too, I was just too weak in, in home runs. And despite there being, uh, you know, enough guys to stream in and out, it just wasn't enough from my, my base, from my core guys. So, you know, you know who I, I meant to bring up earlier that I forgot to, um, I feel like I, I don't think too many people talk about this guy because he's just not, maybe not that pleasant to discuss, but, um, Marcelo Zuna was probably my MVP last year um, yep. because I added him. I went back and like looked at when I added him. I, I don't know if you remember, like he was just terrible the first six weeks or whatever. Um, but yeah. from from when I added Marcelo Zuna to the end of the season, he basically hit like 300 with 30 homers. And so oh, just getting that off waivers is just – it's like it's almost better than anything else you could find off waivers because you're just adding like a fourth round bat and like that power like there's that's like one of my least my two least favorite feelings are feeling like I don't have enough impact from like a power and like a you know I don't, I don't have enough kind of like Jordan Alvarez type of guys that are just absolutely demolishing baseballs that's a terrible feeling or just having terrible pitching ratios yep like those those are my two least favorite feelings um trying to dig out of bad pitching ratios or just feeling like you just don't have enough power like that's just kind of a helpless feeling absolutely i had that too much last year with the power so i'm trying to keep an extra eye on that i'm um, as I look to how I want to build my uh, online championship team to share. And it, it's interesting with Ozuna too, like, um, you know, a lot was made about the Braves, you know, how they just let their starters play. And they, they, don't, they don't really, you know, platoon guys in and out much at all. Uh, but in the beginning of the season, it's cool. Like I, I, I saved the, uh, the lineup tracker from Fangraphs. I just love seeing it from like left to right, month to month with the IL stuff too. And um, just to see like how often he didn't play to start the season, you know, even before he had a chance to like have a, a enough of volume to be like, wow, he's playing terrible. He just, you know, sat, you know, uh, two or three times a week. And it was interesting to see that. And they just, like you said, like picking him up was, or dropping him, you know, because some people have, you that dropped him and then saw him go off and like, holy shit. And if you were missing that kind of profile in your lineup after dropping him, it must have been terrorizing. Um, that, yeah, it's, that's definitely uh, a good point to bring that up for sure. Um, is there anyone that, or, or is there any player or profile that maybe you're interested in a 12 team that you're not in a 15 team? Or is it just more like the player itself is always an indicator for you to not draft or not be interested in? 
Um, I, you know, I know that, uh, I know you and like Dustin were talking about, um, you know, taking more risks in, uh, OCs than in main events and stuff like that. Um, I kind of could see that. I kind of see that. Uh, I don't know. For for me, like if a guy's too risky to take in a main, I probably still think he's too risky to take in an OC. Um, but and then like you know, so so like a guy like um, like Jordan Westberg is someone that I would much rather have in a main event or DC than in an OC. Um, because he's, I think he's probably not going to hit 20 homers. He's probably not going to steal 15 bases. I think he's going to play like five days a week. Um, but in an OC, like, you know, you, it's okay to like leave a draft with a guy like that. Um, but like, you're never going to be happy about the fact you're starting Jordan Westberg in an OC. Yeah. Um, so those types of kind of guys that you're really pumped about having in the, the 15 team formats in that range, like, you know, you're just going to be trying to upgrade on that guy um, from opening day on. So um, I guess that's, that's one type of player I'm, I'm less into um, in an OC, but generally I'm going after the same guys. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a valid point on Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook, Westbrook, he'd definitely be, um, yeah, because you can get a weekend where he's only going to play one out of three, and that just would be super annoying because <clears throat> you just need the volume for yourself at that point um, in, in online championships. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's like the whole taking risk things because you can make it up. I mean... What if you can't? <laughs> I mean, I think the, to me, the biggest difference between the two, and I mean, you talked about this a, a ton with people um, over the years, is just the way you manage in season. Like, that's the biggest difference to me. True, true. Yeah, it, sh- it should dictate um, how you draft for sure. If you know you're going to be grinding away, or if you know you're going to be having less, well, less. Or like, or I guess more like kind of. Um, when you drop guys, um, you know, like you're, you're just going to pull the trigger much quicker on dropping someone in an OC than in a, in a main event. Um, but you're also, you know, that you're going to have the op- opportunity to add like some, you know, you, you're obviously going to bid on like the Royce Lewis's and the Ellie Daily Cruises and stuff when they come up but you're going to have the opportunity to add like uh, I know like Dylan and, and Brian added Casas in their main, which is awesome. But like, you're going to be able to add like a Tristan Casas in season that gets dropped and you're going to be able to add like Josh Naylor got dropped in mine. Um, so you just, you know that like you can drop, drop guys that you're just, you're kind of done with because there will be opportunities to add like really good veteran hitters in season at any point like come where this is where i have a bit of a problem in 12 team leagues and 
it's not like a consistent problem. It's just I, I noted a couple of times last year and I wrote them down on like my fab note as I'm done with fab and I see the fab results. Um, is that there was a couple of times where I decided to not go for the best player because I said to myself, I'm good at that spot. You know what I'm trying to say? Like maybe Naylor comes along and I have a, like Torkelson and Yanti Diaz. It's like they they would, you know, they were rolling like do and then you like handcuff yourself to picking up a player who you may not need, but also is the best player available. You know, I don't know if you've run into that or if you've ever thought about that at all. Yeah, I, I like I definitely like picking my spots um, where it makes sense. And you I mean, you usually have a pretty good idea by like mid-April like which positions might be areas of, of like stress points for you and which positions you just kind of know you're not going to need that much help anytime soon. So, yep. um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, there's like, that can go wrong too. Like I, I remember last year in my, my solo main, um, it took me a couple months to really kind of find five out or six, five to six outfielders. I, I liked using. So outfield is sort of like a weaker spot. And uh, I think like Colton Cowser at that point was like the top outfield prospect that I thought was going to get called up soon. And so I was like, all right, well, whenever Cowser gets the call, like I'm definitely going to make sure I add him. Um, you know, that didn't yep. do anything. Um, but <laughs> there, there was, there was a reason behind it. I'm like I had so much cows last year in DCs and I don't know if it it's so funny, but like there's like that prospect fatigue. Um and then it's it's real in draft too if you've if you if you experience drafting a player a lot one year and the next year you're like you still like the player, but you're like I I'm done with you. <laughs> it's such a bad process to think like that, but sometimes just uh you know yeah i really try not to i try not to do that um i know me too i try i try yeah i mean the nice thing about like with a lot of those guys it's like they're just so cheap the next year that it's yes um you know you can be kind of annoyed with them and still just be like well he's still going too cheap now 100 percent. yeah that's that's the that's the point where you have to notice that and just ignore it completely and just like other prices really too good here um all right let's let's look at some relief pitching uh strategy for these online championships you know what i love about just all fantasy in general but especially like the 12 teamers just seeing um obviously different ways that people achieve success you know andrew geller the guild is fantastic fantasy player really excels in his 12 team format you know we've and he's always been vocal about like not always paying up for saves um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he has any different thoughts this year. I'm going to have him on in a couple of weeks to uh, go through some stuff as well. <clears throat> but, you know, so I was just like actually giving myself like an exercise in my brain to say, all right, what if I don't do like two closers up top and just kind of, you know, <clears throat> be <clears throat> more uh, confident about my save total. And I just try to, you know, scatter them about like if I picked one in the top you know 80 and then just say you know can I cobble it together with 
Jose Alvarado, Jose Leclerc, and like Kyle Finnegan, you know, like, but then you're also using three spots there to like hopefully get what you think you'll get from another top 75 closer, you know, but also obviously you're going to gain either another starting pitcher or another bat in that spot. So I've been trying to run through my brain, like if there's ways to cobble together. And I don't know if I just feel less confident about it because of the actual pitchers like that are available to maybe get you those 20, like 18 to 20 saves, you know? And I know like they might be available on the wire. Last year they weren't <laughs> as much because there wasn't a turnover. And I don't know if we could expect that to change, but what's your thoughts overall? I know you really like to go, like you're saying, you're trying yeah. to get two guys early, but any, like, you know, any well, other strategy that- I think, I think like, I mean, I always kind of say this with, um, Closers, like if you have success with like finding those guys and um, like guilds, like guilds and I draft very differently, but like what, what he does works for him and what I do works for me. And I wouldn't, I would never try to be like, oh man, you're, you're wrong for not taking early closers. Like, you know, the dream is to not have to use those resources on two early closers, right? Like that obviously is optimal if you can get away with that. Um, so I just, yeah. I think everyone needs to kind of approach relievers with what they're comfortable with. Like it's, it's not kind of like a one size fits all type of thing because you definitely can win. Like you can take down any league and any overall contest without paying up for saves. If, if you get the right players. A hundred percent. Um, when you get like two, you know, two at the top, are you are you adding a third in the draft? And if so, like when is it usually just like a late spec, or maybe would you try to grab another like third guy at some point? You know. Yeah, not in the twelve. Like I, I think um, if I get two, if I get two good ones, I'm just done with relievers then. Yep. Um, and that's part of. Like you're almost kind of defeating the purpose of using those two high picks if you then take a, a third guy, um, you know, take him with your last pick, whatever. But um, yeah, that's like part of my, <clears throat> and I, like I do that with uh, like catchers and DCs too. Like I, if I take two really good catchers, I probably won't even take a third one, um, and just try to make that investment pay off and kind of have like trickle down effects. Um, but yeah, like I'm definitely not taking three relievers. And like, if you take like, you know, even if you have like uh, Brian Abreu or Matt Brash or whoever, like I'm always going to be trying to get like a seventh starter in there, anyways. So, um, it just like if I'm going to end up benching some reliever for like half of April, anyways, like I'm not going to use a roster spot. No. Right. Absolutely, because you're going to need to, you know hit higher marks in 12 team league because um yeah i try to go seven and two for much of the time unless i just stumble upon like a third closer yeah. and sometimes you just even just have to take advantage of when someone has a job right especially if that third closer is some guy you picked up or you know maybe you speculated on he did come into the role and you're like all right while he had this role for two weeks let me just get these sources of saves in but and that's a big reason why you don't get the third guy too is because you want like if you have three relievers, you're just never going to add 
another reliever in fab, but if you only have two and you want to throw like a buck at a guy that you think is going to start getting saves, then that, that plays and you put them in. Like there's plenty of times where I'll have three relievers in my OC lineup getting saves, but yeah, um, it'll, it'll be because I picked up a third guy during the season. And another thing to like to think about is before the warmer, the, the weather gets warmer, you know, you want to roll out seven starters, maybe eight sometimes just to like accumulate those, you know, you get into those summer months and, uh, you know, it's been better recently, but still avoid some, you can actually, you know, pick your spot uh, of when you're going to start a guy. Like, what do you like? I don't know. I take a look at the ADP and I'm still, I'm still like kind of in shock that like in a 12 team league, like, how high speculative pitchers go or still like second man up like Yanni or Cano is still like ADP 280. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I guess. Right? You, yeah. The Cano thing is weird. Is that just following like draft champion ADP and just not really thinking on your own or is that just hoping Kim will, will only get 50% or just not? I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think it's just lack of preparation. I think it's, I think it's that. I think it's like, like, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't, uh, I mean, that's part of what, you know, pay when you pay up for saves, like you, then you look at like people in your league and they're taking, you know, one of the Padres relievers in the 20th round or whatever, like, you're just kind of like, okay, like I'm glad I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the ADP board right now for OCs and looking at like the relievers in the 20 to 30 range and just, yeah, no, no chance. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like even like the Jason Adam type, to me, it's just you could take a shot on some dude who you think might fly up value-wise during spring training, right? Or or some guy that, I don't know. It's just, yeah, when, never, you really, when you're going to play Jason Adams. Yeah, uh, like, that's, he's, Jason Adams is not a 12-team pitcher. Like, because you just, you got to be, you got to be getting, like, starters and saves. And yeah. you're just not, how are you going to time it so you're getting Jason Adams saves in a 12-team? 100%. Hundred percent. You're just really hinging on 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 Fairbanks getting hurt, but at that point, you just spend eighty bucks in Fab when when he gets that spot. So yeah, so those are kind of guys I was just wondering, like, man, it just seems like there's that back half for like twenty five to thirty. It just you know where I'd really just want to take a couple shots. You know, I don't know if I'm biased for like two years ago when I did an early OC before spring training started, I picked J-Rod, you know, in like the 24th, 25th round. And it's like spring training came along. It's like, look like he was just going to start up from the get-go and he looked like a monster. And I was like, wow. It's like, I'd want to try to, like, that doesn't happen anymore because everyone's, you know, happy, happy prospect drafting these days. And so you don't really get those kind of values anymore. Um, But, you know, that's kind of, where I think I'm looking to go. I don't know if you feel that same way with like the end game. If there's a profile that you specifically like leaning into, it is just more filling out your team or taking a couple of shots there, especially if we do an early one, like right now, you know, are you trying to like beat 
the market and, and like who may be coming up or and, and like producing early or win a or win a job? Yeah, I mean it's that's a range where I'm taking just uh pitchers that I like starting pitchers that I think have you know top 40 top 50 sp upside um but could also be drops early in the season you know like um mm -hmm. you know like luis severino like what if he just kind of fixes his pitch tipping issue issue like he could be an awesome guy in that park all season um you know like anyone in that orioles rotation um like I, I think Dean Kramer's my most rostered starting pitcher just because I think he could win 15 games this year. Let's um, go. Love to hear that. <laughs> I love it. I in DC, he's one of the easiest guys to just no one loves him. You know, he just comes around and he's like, yeah, SP eight, SP nine, or whatever you're up to in the DC at that point. He's like, boom, it's so easy to pick him. Just makes his starts. He's above average, and that's it. Just coast. Yeah. And you yep. Like the Orioles are just there in such a inner circle of trust for me right now. Um, yeah, good point. Like I just don't, and and you know the the Twins guys, you know like Paddock and Barland are are nice kind of guys in the the final ten rounds. Um, like I I think uh, you know like Trevor Rogers, Jamison Tyone, those types of guys. Like just let's see what they look like. Um, you know even like a Trevor Bauer. Or, like Ashby, DL Hall, those types of guys. Um, you know, who knows where those guys' values are sitting in like early April, but there's a chance that you're just going to use them all season. 100%. I love that call right there. That definitely, that's definitely the best lean um, to try to, you know, get a guy like you said that, like, oh, wow, he, he should have maybe been going. Maybe should have been going in the top 200, 250 by how he's pitching early in the season. Yeah. Um, um, the like pitching prospects too. Like I, I don't think I. Like I wouldn't even be scared of taking like a Paul Skeens or like a Kate Horton with like one of my last picks and just sort of seeing how they look in spring training. Um, Alec Manoa, obviously another guy like that. How about Jack Flaherty? Are you there? No. <laughs> never Jack. No. I'm a never oh. Jack. I generally don't think I've ever had Jack Flaherty. Uh, I had to throw that one in there. Um, so at this point, too, when you're, you know, when you're closing in on some of these starters, and I know you said sometimes maybe your route pushes you to like less quantity of starting pitchers at the top, but then you're like filling it out. Like what are your, um, what do you leave in a draft after 30 rounds? How many pitchers, 10, 12, like what's your usual, if you have like a, a usual range that you feel comfortable with? Uh, I would say probably like 13 on average. Nice. Um, okay. I do kind of, I like having, I don't I don't ever want to have like too many hitters on my bench, but I always want to have just like I don't want to feel like I'm an injury away from just total disaster in any position. But um yeah, like kind of ideally by the time we're into kind of 
May, June, maybe I've got five pitchers and two hitters, but probably would like to start with maybe three hitters, four pitchers. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe a backup at the infield, outfield, corner, you know, a quarter middle, outfield, and then some four pitchers. I feel like that's a, probably the range I'm going to shoot for, unless I just feel like um, there's really some pitchers there. Because, like, I, I as we're discussing this and I've been looking at ADP, it's, if I can gobble up a lot of these pitchers in this range, I feel like, in the three, 320 to 350, yeah. I just may, I just really may, yeah, like, go with like five pitchers on the bench and in two bats you know maybe like a multi-eligibility guy who can cover all all the types um of positions because it's just really i think a land of opportunity right now and um to really have a nice nice staff uh built out in ocs um uh all right you ready to get in some uh player battles Sure. I mean, these are battles might be a little strong, but yeah, let's, let's do it. We too tilted on one way. No, I, 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 well, <laughs> or, or you don't like them all at, a, yeah, at I mean, all. I, well, okay. let's just, let's just get in. Okay. Uh, I, I, I always feel like when I'm typing it, it's like, you're probably not going to like some of these guys, but um, all right. First one close in ADP, uh, Cody Ballinger and Matt McLean. What do you got? Uh, I probably won't have, either guy but it would definitely be mclean if i were to get one of those guys there um you're bellinger wary. yeah you're wary on the power with him well it's just everything the guy was the guy was terrible for two years and then was good in his contract year and like i just don't trust him so uh, you don't, I don't trust know. him any far as you could throw him no and i don't think he's I just, you know, I I don't think I'm going to be, like, kicking myself for not taking Bellinger in the fifth round in any leagues. All right, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. That's, uh, that's often how I like to say it when I'm just completely out on a player. And, um, yeah, I agree, too. I'm on the McLean side of this one as well. Um, I, my, I'm interested in your take on this one, though. Um, yeah. Like, what is the difference between Matt McLean and Andres Jimenez? Um, that's a great point. Um, I guess maybe people are adding eligibility, you know, like as a, as a little bit more of a bump, you get him, you know, I know we talked about it on the four hour pod about like, what is multi-eligibility worth? And like, you know, you can add him a one SGP, one and a half or whatever. Um, I think, I think probably the difference that the biggest difference I would see, maybe that's how other people are seeing it is just counting stats in the lineup. You know, if McLean does settle in at number two, maybe they see the runs and RBI possibilities being uh, like the total being better than, than, and Jimenez, I mean, Jimenez just seems like a lock for fifteen thirty. You know, he's just he's just done two years consistently where he's shown. I mean, maybe people don't believe in the power output, but he's another guy that leans into the pull profile completely, um, and he gets his output from that. Yeah, I like and, I I just like the I like the statistical output of Jimenez just a tiny bit more. Um, 
sacrificing the ten steals for the runs and the RBI, like yeah, you know. But that's sort of those are stats you're sacrificing under the assumption of where both players are batting and um, the ste- the extra ten steals to me is just like that's that's the whole point of that type of player to me like the the middle infielder that's giving you power speed it's because of the speed that you're taking them so the one that's giving me more speed is more interesting yeah no it's that's that's definitely fair i don't um i think i got a maybe two or three shares of mclean this season i think um one dc and um, a couple of gladiators um so I don't really think that there's there's the risk in as much as in my brain on the PT side of things. Um, no, I I'm not yeah. saying McLean's a bad pick. I just right. No, it's just I yeah. think like Jimenez is more of like a massive value where he's going than McLean being a bad pick. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's like he gets to the spot. I mean, I've gotten him sometimes in a draft champions at like one twenty five, and I'm like, what what what's happening you know um do you you like uh do you like mclean more than uh glaber torres no yeah me neither no glaber is one of the top guys on my board yeah uh that's never uh that's never a secret (laughs) to anybody (laughs) he's Uh, he's so good yeah you know it's so funny i always uh, you know um i always try to frame it like if he didn't have that 38 home run season, right? If he just took that away from his and, and did the the men in black zapped it from your memory and you just looked at his last two seasons, you like I hate that most analysis goes to, well, he won't get that 2019 power back. And oh. I'm like, <laughs> nobody's like, he doesn't need that power back. That's the thing, right? I don't know. Yeah, I thought that I remember looking at him towards the end of last season I didn't have him on any teams but um it just felt like last year was the beginning of like a four-year prime for him four-year prime I love it yeah 27 loaded lineup now um that's gonna be fun watching that one up a little bit especially if Stanton can speaking of Stanton I mean he he's going in the last round of online championships, which is really crazy to see. Um, talk about a talk about a possible dart, right? I mean, this guy. I mean, can you pull the trigger on that last round, Don Carlo? Uh, no, man. It's too it's still too rough for you. I just don't. Uh, I don't. I, yeah, I. I <laughs> i mean it's it's just i'd rather take a another shot you know i mean that is a shot Uh, that is a shot (laughs) like you couldn't you couldn't you could find worse players to take there um good point but i wouldn't you know like i would take stanton over like ezekiel duran um or hunter renfro um yes and yes and like i'm just looking at like like i would take him over like Justin Lawrence and um, I'd take I'd probably take him over Flaherty. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'd sure. take like I'd take like Tommy Pham over Stanton. Me too, hundred percent. 
I take some unga I I take some undrafted guys over him like Carlos Santana. Um <laughs> it's like one guy who's like I didn't have been drafted once. I guess it's just a free agent thing until he signs, but um all right, next next um battle in ADP right next to each other, George Springer and Jackson Churio. Yeah. Um I'm gonna take Springer. Uh despite Rob trying to talk me out of him on my podcast yesterday. Um definitely by the durability concerns, but um I think Churio like he you know he could definitely pay off the like he he could finish the year as like a top twenty outfielder, top fifteen outfielder maybe. Um he's just so young. Uh and he had a lot of um I don't know. The Brewers just they have a lot of good outfielders or a lot of young outfielders that they like, I should say. And I I would just rather take the vet there. Um there's other prospects that I there's other like big name prospects I would take at ADP, but um Churio is just going and I mean you can see that in like my article that you referenced earlier, uh, rookie hitter rankings. Like I don't, I don't think Churi is in the same tier to me as Wyatt Langford and Noel B. Marte this year. And they go two rounds later. And like, I just, I, I really believe in Springer's production. It's just a matter of how many games you're getting. And I don't know. I, I don't mind the price on Springer. I know he's I know he's risky from a health standpoint, but I just think it's a I think it's a decent value. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised he isn't going a little bit higher in drafts considering he did stay healthy and he did have a nice pretty season, you know, all around. Um but yeah, that's him him being hurt is always uh stuck in Perry's mind. So um you think that you think that um, that young, you know, some might say crowded outfield of the Brewers, like makes it like it, that just makes it more of an option. I just, it, I just, like, put you in, know, I, I, who, like, I don't know what, I don't know how well Jackson Churio is going to handle big league pitching. Like, I right. think he'll, be, I think he'll be fine. Um, but you know, they, they have. Like they definitely want to play um, Mitchell. I know Mitchell is just kind of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people for fantasy, but like he's um, just a elite defender and uh, has a a high real life ceiling that I think they're going to still try to get to. And uh, you know, Frelick is uh, just a guy that any manager is going to want to put on the card. Um, you know, even if, even if the ceiling isn't that high and um, I, I haven't given up completely on Weimer, like Weimer's still got a very high real life ceiling to me. Um, and then you got Yelich who they, who was like a better defender last year than he was the year before. And I thought heading into last year, he should have been DHing more, but um doesn't they've just never really kind of embraced the idea of Yelich at DH? So, um, 
like I de- I'm definitely not predicting Cheerio to fall out of playing time, but like I think it's more of a possibility than like if you said who's more likely to go to AAA early in the season out of Jackson Churio and like Noel B. Marte, I would definitely say Churio. Yep. No, it's been that's been my thought with um in considering him at certain points of uh the draft. Never really had to fully consider it because in a DC, I'm, I don't know, I'm just not going to take him over Cattell Marte at pick 125. <laughs> like, I've given the option thousand, like plenty of time this year, and it's just not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> no, but that's a good point about, yeah, about the whole um, outfit. I do believe there's still some, you know, something left in in in, in Weimer. I think I kind of just got forgotten about. And, and Mitchell kind of been a, a little bit of a target of mine in the last couple of DCs I've done because um, he seems to have been falling a little bit um, at one point in the 400, which I was very fine with uh, taking a stab there. Um, all right, Kristen Encarnacion Strand or Jake Berger? Yeah, this is... I've, uh... I, I would have guessed that I would have had some burger by now, um, but I just haven't been taking him um, because third base is just so deep. Yes. Um, and it's just using a pick in that range to take a third baseman who is going to hit below 250 and not steal any bases. It's just not a good um, roster construction pick to me. Um now like more of like an auction guy, right? That's sure, like, sure. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, Makes sense. Um, pl- oh, plus like that lineup is just going to be ridiculously bad. Um, <laughs> and then, so like, my answer is CES, but I also don't think I'll end up with any CES this year. Um, like, I think you know he has he has forty homer upside, um, but I just first base is like i love the value i love that like the the price on i feel like over half the first baseman i think are like great values where they're going and i think ces is just kind of like a like he's fine where he's going um but like i think like i think reese hoskins is a better value i think like andrew vaughn is like a really good value to me um like I love Jose Abreu and uh, Anthony Rizzo, <clears throat> so I'm just not really looking for if I if I haven't gotten like Casas or Naylor, then I'm not going to look at first base until a little bit after CES. No, that makes sense. Like you mentioned, that whole Josh Bell, um, Jose Abreu, Ty France range, you know, um, Andrew Vaughn. You can you can definitely just wait out until that at that point. Um, yeah, I I totally agree with the burger thing. Like I I have maybe a couple shares of him, but it's just such a tough, it's a tough spot. Like you said, it's like um, usually where I'm gonna try to get like my fourth or fifth starting pitcher in a draft champions until, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't feel as comfortable with the next pitchers. Um, but twelve team lens. Um, uh, I've been trying to shape it as I've been getting prepped. Uh, to do it who would you um 
would you take Berger? Or who, who's your favorite out of Berger, Isak Paredes, and Heimer Candelaria? Isak. Isak, yeah. 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 I like the first and third. I know Candelario has it too. Um, and for the cost difference, many people would probably say Candelario. Um, I think I, I don't think Paredes is, is done um, with his profile. I don't think it's going to be stagnant. It's just this pull-happy, only home run hitter type. I think he has enough good things in the toolbox to like if he bumped up his average a little more, um, I know he hits a ton of fly balls to make that happen very easily, but um, I do think that that can come and it could be like, oh, wow, he's capable of this. So I'll still be on him. Um, I'm the warrior, I think, man. Yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, I, like I like, so I have like all those guys kind of like lumped in a tier and I don't. I might have a Candelaria. I don't think I have any Paredes either because I always, I feel like I'm always um, either set at third base or I look at Noel V and Key Brian and I'm just like, man, I, I think I need the extra like bump of speed there. Yep. And I just take, I take the guy that's going to run. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like all those guys. I just don't think I'm going to end up with too much of them. Yeah, I I I prefer the Hayes Noel V lean as well, just because of the extra of the of the speed bump. And to Hayes, I I also think is a guy who's changed his profile enough that we can see some real changes happening from him. Um, and Noel V, I think, uh, might be. I don't know. I I I think I think he's getting treated a little wrong recently um yeah i agree i think i think people are just too uh too cautious on some of those reds young guys um the Hayes thing like man i think he like Hayes could kind of do you think he's more likely to surprise people with power or speed power Okay. Yeah, I'd, and not surprised. Like, oh, I can't believe this guy hit thirty. But I just think he, he's not. He's not like um, that twelve fifteen guy that people think he's. I mean, fifteen last year, but I think that. Uh, I think he's maybe, gonna have. He's gonna have at least one year where he hits twenty plus homers. Um, I still think he can get back to twenty steals too. Um, like I, I think know. he had the yeah. I think he had the capability to. I I noticed that like last year, when he had like the second back injury of the year, he wasn't aggressive afterwards. But he mm -hmm. also hit the ball harder than he did all season. And I don't know if it was one of those things where like, hey, like, or maybe he did it on his own where he just wasn't as aggressive stealing. Maybe the back was hurting him as he's because he's a he's the feet first slider. Maybe it was just like not something he felt comfortable doing. So I don't know if that's playing into my brain is why I think that he maybe will just stay 10, 15 stolen bases, but he would, I see some power. Like I don't, if he hits 18 or 20 this year, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like he, he's the type of guy where like I would project him, like I would project him for under 20 homers and under 20 steals. But like when I'm looking at him and I'm on the clock in my head, I'm thinking 
at least there's a chance he can bump up over that um, yep. as like a an outcome. And um, like you know, he attempts 25 steals in 2022, and then the new rules come in. Like, I just kind of want to give him like one more shot to sort of see what a like a healthy season he could do there. Yeah, true, and it's it's and like nothing. Um, all the other things in his profile just you know just scream like a really solid batting average guy too, right? You know, there's nothing in there that screams like, oh, if he if he does this a little bit more, he can slip down. Like he just make good contact, make good decisions, and uh, and he's fast. So, yeah, I like my Cabrian. I think um, you know, Lashley made a ton of gains, man. If people don't really pay attention to the increased fly ball the increased pull fly ball and like just the impact too that he made when uh, he put the ball in the air it was big it, it's different so and i still like you know prime year right here 27 prime year guys just got to draft all the 26 27 year old james and um smooth sailing i mean that was like uh you know and i have like a an, a dynasty team we share and last off season he was he like pushed for us to trade for jp crawford and he was basically just like, yeah, he's just, he's in that age where guys like break out. Like, and yeah. I was just like, all right, all right, you know, like, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and, then he, and then he breaks out. So like, you know, it, I don't know. The old driveline. Yeah. The old driveline prime breakout. Yeah. The driveline isn't real, James. It doesn't make you better. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> no, I, I love it when guys go to driveline. Joe Ryan, baby. I, lo- I love it. Keep going. It doesn't hurt. You know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's just like we don't know what several players are doing in their offseason, but to see that someone's, you know. That's that's honestly like part, that's like the biggest thing to me is like it's more just like the fact that the guy actually cared about trying to get better Yes, is more important than anything he did there necessarily to me. It's just like at least I know this guy is spending his off seasons trying to get better. Yeah. says you know, says something about the person himself too, the character, like he's consistently driving. I mean, if there was a mining, the news that some guy was just picked up a bat yet and he's drinking beer and fishing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mean, it's would, like, I, would, I've you, been, would that push you down? No, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've been fishing and drinking. And I haven't swung yet. Time. Like, does that make you less, like more, like less interested in the play? Of course it does. So why wouldn't yeah. training at the most optimal level make you more interested? Why would that be a bad thing? <laughs> uh, drinking beer and fishing. Something I can't wait to see. Uh, I'm someone's scouting the Instagram profile to check for, for those, but, uh, Cool, man. I think this wrapped this up. I think we hit a lot of cool points. Unless you want to, you got anything else to say? You want to get out? I know you talk a lot on your podcast as well. So, no, I'm I'm good, man. This was fun, cool, man. Awesome. Ready to kick ass this season? Yeah. Are you Are you gonna still leave me alone in that Wednesday, man? I I am. I am. I am. Okay. Uh, that I, I, I'm very. That one's like a, it's been at like five to six people are in that and like people keep dropping out. I think Bobby Big Bucks has dropped out like six times from that. Oh, that I can week. help get it there then if you want. I mean, I don't want. No, you I, to don't, I don't. Shit. I don't want you to be in two of my. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm, I'm I, I have uh, I have a league signed up for Wednesday and it's also not feeling 
the early auction. So I'm going to give it some more time. But um thing is, like, I, I'm getting there early. So the whole reason was to get there early to draft, too. Um, so uh, it, it's... you can you can I mean, you know, I don't mind if you join it. I just. I don't know. No, I know. I, I, I do what you got to do. I, I know. I, I just may have to, you know, I'll just have to find something good to do that night and just be like, hey, I'm not dead. I'm going here. Maybe I'll go to a hockey game or something um, and <laughs> stay out of that draft. Um, yeah, actually, right now, what do you got? Oh, it's up to six. Bobby Big Bucks is back in, it seems like. Um, so six six people. But you're right. It's been It's been stuck on a low number. Is it? I'm showing five. Maybe I got to refresh. Uh, refresh main event. Are you under the signups or the forum? Um, I'm under the, the just like five out of, I clicked on the five out of 15 status and. Oh, oh, like from your, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 I see that. Okay. I hadn't had it refreshed. I see that. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to get filled. The oh, yeah. I'm not worried about it. I just like it to get filled sooner than later. So at least I, I know. know who's in it. I know. And like I'm saying, a lot of my leagues haven't been coming close to uh, gaining any momentum in my auction league. So I want to give myself a chance to pivot to something. I'm definitely not going to be drafting in my room. I know that. Um, <laughs> so uh yeah hope we hope we those auctions um i sign up if anyone's there like lurking and like you already know you're gonna do a draft but you don't just just get in there help the signups you know um with the signups pick up momentum it, it gives other people the incentive to get in before the, you know the league is full so if you are thinking about it just sign up already do it just come, do it come come draft with me Come draft with James. That's the uh, Wednesday night live main event in Vegas. <laughs> the first one in Vegas, right? That that's the first Vegas main, um, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so maybe um maybe I'll just uh hang. Maybe I'll just uh you know break it down live. I'll just watch it from the back, and that that'll be the thing I do Wednesday night is uh live. I'll uh live uh commentary on on your uh draft but yeah do it do it that'd be great okay okay might as well content <laughs> give him something to see in here cool james man i always enjoy getting to talk with you and um you're you're a fantastic guy man i'm, I'm super happy you brought in a baby into this world because we need we definitely need more people like you james so that's good oh, well thanks man um always happy to chat with you and uh looking forward to seeing you in vegas 100%. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poor Podcast. Don't be a bag of shit.